Accidental Safety Pro, brought to you by Vivid Learning Systems and the Health and Safety Institute. Episode number five. My name is Jill James, Vivid's Chief Safety Officer, and today I'm joined by Brandy, who is an EHS specialist in the electronic manufacturing industry in the southeastern part of the United States. Welcome, Brandy. Thanks for having me, Jill. Yeah, you know what? We're so excited to have you. This is episode number five, and all of the other people that we have had in our podcast so far have had quite a number of years of experience as a safety professional. And Brandy, you are very new to the field, and I'm so excited that you are being brave to share your story first for all of the other people who are in your same position. Yeah, I'm a little nervous, but um, I I would like to be, uh, I I don't know what I'm saying here. (laughs) (laughs) You would like to uh, maybe be be that first person. Yeah. Yeah, to be a mentor. That's great. This um, Earlier this year, I was at the um, American Society of Safety Engineers Future Safety Leaders Conference, and I had been um, kindly asked to keynote their uh, their opening. And so I was had this audience of a few hundred people who are just new to the career, just starting out. They're just finishing their degrees. And um, I bet their ears specifically and others like them would love to hear from you today, Brandy. That sounds good. <laughs> so how new are you to this field anyway? Um, I've been at my current job as an EHS specialist for almost two years now. Okay. And um, well, right after college, I got into a chemistry lab. I was doing that for about two years and I actually moved cities um, and had to find a brand new job. And I was kind of just randomly looking for anything. You know, at that point, you kind of just need a job, mm-hmm. you know, to pay the bills. But um, right. I got a job as an industrial hygienist. I kind of just applied and hoping for the best. And the lady contacted me asking me if I knew anything about it. And I was like, not really. But she wanted <laughs> to find someone who was fresh and didn't have any bad habits. So mm. she kind of just took me on. And uh, I learned a lot from working with her for about two years. Mm -hmm. And after that, I had a kind of a bad experience. Like the last uh, month or two, I was working with asbestos and I was doing, Mm. uh, I was monitoring for the uh, removals and the the contractors basically doing the removals just weren't weren't following any safety precautions. And I just didn't want to have to deal with that or, you know, Mm -hmm. have to be exposed exposed exactly yeah. to that mm-hmm. and um so i was just looking for a job and i found the ehs specialist and because they had a brand new facility opening up and they needed someone and i kind of just applied and i guess they liked that on my experience with ih and i got the job so <laughs> congratulations and, yeah so like i said i've been here for only two years but mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah yeah, nothing like jumping in with both feet into an asbestos roll. That's that's big stuff. Yeah, and I I, I did mostly, or it was a good amount. It's probably fifty percent of my IH job was asbestos, either inspections or re- removal. So, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah, Brandy, let's let's back up to your education a little bit because it, it that sounds interesting as well. What what is your degree in? It's actually in biology. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So bachelor's degree in biology. Mm-hmm. And you graduated and thought, okay, what am I going to do with this? Yeah, and I think, I mean, I really had no idea. You know, I think we all just kind of go, like in college, we just go what we're interested in, and we really don't know what we want to do. Well, most mm-hmm. of us, I don't, I can't speak for all of us, but mm-hmm. I didn't really know, but I just knew biology is pretty much all I was interested in, mm-hmm. so, mm-hmm. yeah. And so you're, you're searching the job landscape after, after you graduated from college, and like, where were you looking, or where did you think you might end up um most I was thinking environmental uh mm-hmm. but I I applied and I interviewed for a few environmental jobs and didn't get it so I guess that was like a blessing you know I, I had to keep going and I found that IH job but yeah I was mostly looking environmental but it didn't happen so right right and so you you mentioned that the person that uh, eventually offered you that I that first IH job was looking for someone who didn't have any who didn't have any experience someone they could sort of uh, mentor along the way and and teach uh, the way that they wanted the work done so what was what was that like what was she looking for or what was her background um well she she was she's a um, you know she has been doing IH for I don't know, at least 20 years. Like she had tons of experience and Mm -hmm. um, yeah, she just wanted someone who was fresh. I guess she had people in the past who just had bad habits 
Sure. Uh, I don't know exactly what that means, but she just wanted someone to be able to teach and show them exactly how she wants things to be done, I think. And yeah. so um, I guess if you're looking for a job or something, don't be afraid to apply to places that you don't know about because you never know what could happen. Mm-hmm. And like, for example, like the, you know, IH, I didn't have any experience and she wanted someone fresh and the safety job. I mean, I had two years of IH, but not safety. And, you mm-hmm. know, the job said like three to five years and I kind of just applied and got it. So mm-hmm. you really never know what people right. are looking for. Right, right. And, and so was, did she end up being a good mentor for you on the IH piece? Yeah, she was. She taught me a lot. Um, I, I ended up writing a lot of things, learning a lot of things because I, you know, I did a lot of noise monitoring and, um, mm-hmm. you know, uh, exposure monitoring and I had to learn all that, you know, what exactly it means and, when I get the results back, what, what do we need to tell these clients, um, you know, so they improve their work conditions? Right, right. Yeah. So was that was that exciting to you when you first got going? Or were you like, this is kind of overwhelming? Or how, how did you approach that? No, I was really excited because it was something totally different. I was excited to get into asbestos because no one really knows about it like they see the commercials but they really (laughs) don't know anything Uh about it and you have to have like you know certifications and take like week-long classes just to you know be able to look at a microscope at it or just monitor but yeah I was just really excited I mean it was overwhelming at some points just because Mm -hmm. it's not just one thing you do you know I did asbestos and had to learn how how the pumps work and how to document it properly things like that. How to calibrate them all that. Yes exactly Mm -hmm. yeah but Mm -hmm. you know I just take notes and I'm pretty good and if you just take notes then you can just look back instead of constantly asking you know your mm-hmm. boss, how to do it again. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So you, you became, you became your own textbook to, to teach you how to keep doing it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Very good. That's cool. And so when it was, when it was time to make your next stop into your current job, so how did that, how did that work for you? So you had, you had this IH experience for a couple of years, you apply for this next job. Um, were they interested in what you had been doing? Did that help you get to the next place? Yeah, I think it definitely did because, like I was saying, this is a new facility and we have um, new uh, production areas coming in. So, I mean, we have IH people come in all the time because we're adding new areas. And when you add a new area where production increases, you're supposed to, you know, re re-monitor those people. So they're just, um, I think that was the biggest thing is that, you know, I had the experience. And I know, you know, uh, like, limits people need to be exposed to and I know how to fit test because I did that things like that Mm -hmm. so Mm -hmm. yeah Mm -hmm. yeah so those were appealing to your new employer yeah exactly yeah so when you started this job that you're in right now how did the safety introduction go like how have you been kind of easing your way into learning that those skills um well every day is different I can just say that at a manufacturing (laughs) facility yes it is (laughs) um and you kind of just put out the fire whatever's going on at the time and if you don't know you just you know try to look it up look in all the textbooks you have or just look Mm -hmm. online all the OSHA regulations and try to figure out what exactly needs to be done you know to make sure you're in compliance so it's kind of just you got to look for yourself, <laughs> I guess. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I think a lot of uh, safety professionals would absolutely, that would resonate with a lot of safety professionals. Since we're, we're often solo operators, um, we really have to rely on ourselves and, and, you know, and, and any peers that we might know who are working in our same sphere. So do you have, um, is there, is there someone who's mentoring you in safety right now, like where you work? Um, well, like I said, I'm, I'm one of the only EHS people. They just hired another person to work with me, but I'm one of the only EHS people here. Um, you know, at our other sister plants, we have, um, some people that have been here a long time and, their plants are just really good, um, you know, and they're mm-hmm. just in compliance. So if I have any questions, okay. um, I can I can ask them. But not really here, you know, I don't really have a manager. I mean, I have a facility manager over top of me, but not an EHS manager to really right. ask questions to. Mm-hmm. But as I'm getting more involved and, like, I'm getting more involved in AASSE and going to the chapter meetings, I'm meeting a lot more people who are very open and you know, they're, they're constantly just saying, Hey, if you need anything, contact me and Mm, add me on mm -hmm. LinkedIn. And, Mm -hmm. um, the safety professionals seem to be just very open just because they don't really have many people and they want to talk about it and they want to kind of just talk to each other, you know? (laughs) 
we are a friendly bunch, it turns out. Yeah, yeah, for sure we are. <laughs> That's great. That's yeah. great. So you, you, you get this new job and you're the only one there. You have some, you have some peers, but they're in different locations. Um, how did, how did you decide like where to start? What was the first thing you decided to tackle? Um, the first thing was this woman got hurt. She fell off like a, literally it was a one foot platform, kind of like tripped off of it. Yeah. So the first thing I had to do was figure out at what height do you need a railing? <laughs> and <laughs> yeah. now I, now I think about it, I'm like, that is so basic. But I remember just looking like at the OSHA standard being like, okay, four feet. Yeah. For general industry, four feet. Mm-hmm. And it mm-hmm. just sounds so basic, but you know, that was mm-hmm. the very first thing I had to do. I had to write like some uh, accident reports and things like that. But mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's not really basic Brandy. I mean, a lot of people struggle with those same, same things. We, I get a lot of questions on that myself. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And when I when I worked for OSHA, I had so many numbers and distances mm-hmm. memorized and and the farther I am away from day-to-day practice, the less it's top of mind and I still have to reach for my regulations to double check my memory. Most of the time I'm right, but I don't uh, I don't always trust myself and I have to look things up too, so uh, that that's okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's definitely okay to look things up cuz there's yeah. just so many numbers and you you need to know mm-hmm. about and just so mm-hmm. many regulations that it's hard to keep track of you know Mm -hmm. it's really hard and you like I'm constantly looking and making sure I'm documenting everything I need to document whether it's training because they have Mm -hmm. weird things you know they might be like you need to document the summary or you need to have a signature you know you know right Right, right. Yeah. yeah, every every piece of the law is so different with different yeah. requirements. So it sounds like maybe a lot of your um, your career right now, early on, is is really trying to learn the OSHA regulations. Yeah, that that's definitely correct. And I'm actually studying to take my ASP, my associate oh my gosh. professional cert. Yeah, so I'm studying for that, and I'm taking because I'm going to the ASSE safety conference and mm-hmm. upcoming in June. And they have a, uh, like a, I guess a training class. So I'm going to that and then I take my test in early July. So, Mm -hmm. um, I've been studying about that and I've been learning a lot that stuff that, you know, I don't really deal with day to day, but things that, you know, I should know. Um, but yeah, there's just a lot of numbers (laughs) and things to know. There is way to jump into the profession with both feet, Brandy. Yeah, I, I think it takes it takes some of us uh, many many years to to decide that they're going to study for their ASP to earn their CSP. That that's really cool. So when you're when you're trying to find resources by way of the OSHA regulations right now, how are you doing that? Are you using the OSHA website or what resources are you using for that? Yeah, I normally just Google what I'm looking for. Say it's confined space, I'll just Google confined space uh, regulation. It usually pops up and, you know, Mm -hmm. it goes through. Mm-hmm. Um, we have, I have a lot of books that says it's not the regulations. It's like a breakdown of the regulations. So right. it's a lot easier to understand. And yeah. I have a lot of books like that and I've used those all the time, whether it's figuring out if something's recordable or not, or, you know, mm-hmm. just bloodborne mm-hmm. pathogen pathogens. Mm-hmm. It's just a lot. Yeah. So yeah. having a, having a resource that's kind of interpreted the OSHA regulations for you so that you don't have to read the straight regulation. Yeah, exactly. And that's, mm-hmm. it's very helpful. Like I would definitely recommend looking into them or just finding something that yeah does interpret the regulation because sometimes they can be confusing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they can. Yeah, that's a that's a good tip for people to know that those um, kind of resources do exist. I've I've never used them in my career by and by way of them, I mean like an interpretation of the regulations. And I think that's only because my um, my graduate program I had an entire course just focused on how to read the regulations and so educa- educationally I, I got that piece but it's so difficult for so many people to try to figure out what the heck how first how do you read them second what does it mean yeah you know third what's it tied to in relationship to all this other stuff that's around it written and um you know, now the government has interpretations on some of this stuff. How do I find those? So yeah. it, it is it is very confusing. And so that's that's really a good tip for people to if if you're if you're not steeped in how to read regulatory text, which let's face it, how many people are um, to find <laughs> to find those resources that have um, essentially digested it and put it into easy to read format. <laughs> yeah, cool. 
very cool. So, um, what's like, what are you, what are you tackling? Like, what are you tackling now? So you've been, you know, other than of course, understanding the regulations, kind of what's, what's day to day like right now by way of your priorities? What I'm working on now is, well, like I said, we're a growing facility and we are, constantly getting new equipment from other facilities. So I'm Mm -hmm. trying to figure out what equipment's coming in because we have to write our air permit and you have to know, you know, what is emitting to the environment, how much, things like that. So I've been Mm -hmm. trying to, um, you know, figure all that out um, as far as air. And then I'm also been writing our lockout tagout procedures for all of our equipment in our facility um, because we're getting on new equipment, like I said, and we don't have any site specific. So for about, I mean, our facility is pretty big and we have about 300 machines and getting more. It's, it's, it's a hard task and it has to be specific and because obviously you don't want to mess it up. It's very important. It's very important. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. So yeah, that's mm-hmm. something I've been really working hard on. Those are some really big tasks that you're tackling there and really important ones. Are you finding um, ways to make relationships with people in your facility now um, to, to you know, that you can ask for help or guide you through things? Like I was, you know, you're mentioning equipment and bringing new equipment in. I'm wondering if you're talking with operations people or um, um, same thing with the lockout tagout procedures. Are you talking with operators or how how are you uh, how are you handling that? Yeah, so I mean, for for our lockout tagout procedures, I have our facility manager. He's mm-hmm. he's an engineer, so he knows like how to tell where the electricity's going and if it's a certain voltage and things like that. Sure. And then when you're writing your lockout tagout procedures, you always want to talk to the operator or yeah. the maybe a facility guy who works on it or something like that mm-hmm. to know all the energy sources you're looking at. And then as far mm-hmm. as air, we have a third party that helps us um, that helps us go through and make sure we're sending everything in that we need to send, so we're in compliance. Yeah, yeah. Those those are really good tips for people starting out who are listening, Brandy. Has what's it been like or how did you approach sort of um getting into those conversations and asking for help with people in your own facility? Was that um, you know, did, did have you have you asked for meetings with people? Did you, you know, how did you build those relationships? Well, normally if I'm going to do a, like a lockout tackle procedure, I'll just let them know that I'm going to be coming down and doing that and mm-hmm. and they're pretty open because like, they it seems most people want, you know, to have their facility improved. Um, yeah. So, I mean, they're they're pretty open. It seems that they'll meet with you or what what, what normally happens, I'll just be like, hey, I'm going to be down there looking at your whatever machine today. Can you help mm-hmm. us, you know, figure out all the sources, you know? Mm-hmm. So That's awesome. That's awesome. So, um you're you're brand new to the field and um you know you're trying to build your own credibility as well as your own knowledge base and you're teaching yourself along the way have you what's the craziest thing you've done so far to try to build street cred with your workforce i pretty much if any of my operators ask for something i try to go out of my way to get them the things that they want mm-hmm. um like for example some people need safety glasses with bifocals so I try yeah. to get them what they want, but sometimes they do get kind of picky. Like I'll get them what they want. I'll get them the bifocals and then they'll be like, oh, I don't want frames on them. I don't like these black frames. <laughs> so uh, I try to get them the clear ones, you know. So I, I think mm-hmm. it's good that I do that because I think it builds trust and they th- they know that I'm looking out for their best interests and I want them to be comfortable with what they're doing. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. That's, I just try to go out of my way to make them feel comfortable at their job. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's good. That's good. Have you have you done any any jobs alongside people to learn how it, how something works? Oh yeah, um, especially when you're doing risk assessments. <laughs> yeah, uh, you definitely need to be down there and to figure out what are the risks. You need to talk to the operators. They're the ones that know, not the managers who don't spend any time in there. Mm-hmm. So you ask, you'll ask the operators, hey, like, what's the most hazardous thing you do at your job? And they'll, they'll, they'll tell you, you know, because they're not, they're not shy about it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Those are really important things to do with, yeah. the, with the workforce. And it's good to get out there. Um, I had a third party come in. They were helping us with something. And they were just impressed how many people I knew. Because I guess a lot of safety people don't get, get out and um, meet, the, meet the operators. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. And he was just impressed. So I think it's really good for you to get out there and know who's actually doing the production and, 
you know, who you're, who you are trying to help. Cause then you, you know, you form relationships and you form trust and they're more likely to kind of uh, follow the safety rules that you're trying to put in place. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. It's, it's a uh, safety is not a job that happens inside the four walls of an office. That's for sure. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. When you're talking about, um, uh, meeting with operators and, you know, observing their work and asking them questions about what they're doing. That's one of my favorite, that's one of my favorite things about, about our profession is, you know, getting to learn how, do, how do people do what they do? How is, how is something made? You know, what is their day-to-day work like? And then while I'm making those observations, um, I've somehow picked up over the years, um, watching and looking for things that don't look like a regular tool. Yeah. And, <laughs> and maybe you've already, maybe you've already seen this Brandy, maybe you've picked up on this, but my eyes are always looking, you know, as a, as an, as a former OSHA person, my eyes are always looking for hazards and picking up different things, but I often would see like, uh, maybe a piece of a, a broomstick or a piece of metal that maybe had some kind of funny bend in it and some duct tape wrapped around it or something that's, you know, <laughs> leaning up against a corner of a wall that looks like this could be a tool, but somebody made that. Yeah, have exactly. you se- have you seen some of that? <laughs> I have. Uh, I've seen a tool like that. Yeah, it was because we have some kilns um, that we use. And the, I guess when the kiln brick can get stuck, you know, because mm-hmm. it, it, it goes mm-hmm. through the kiln. It, it's like kind of like a conveyor belt. Mm-hmm. It can get stuck, and they kind of use like a metal pole that they yeah. kind of just rigged up and to make sure the, the kiln break goes straight. And then the one I saw recently was, it wasn't a tool, but they have these stools that are just kind of metal, and mm-hmm. I guess the operators were like slipping off them, and also they were saying that it, it, it hurt their behind to sit on. Mm-hmm. So they were... They were taping bubble wrap on the top of oh. a stool mm-hmm. to, <laughs> to, to make it more comfortable. Yeah, so, yeah and so I've our, seen stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So our safety professionalized pick up on that comfort piece too, and we're able to ask, you know, so why is this? And or then are we able to um, find a way to offer something that's more comfortable for employees? Yeah, but, exactly. But, but yeah, and by way of those kind of homemade tools. Um, and I guess, and that's what I would call it. It just takes the conversation that you're having with operators to a different level. And it allows you to discover things that you might not know otherwise by just simply watching someone do their work for a little while or asking a few questions when they tell you, oh yeah, we use this too, because we always get this jam in this one Mm -hmm. place, or we have to get around this guard or we're circumventing, you know, X, Y, and Z, or I've heard, you know, those safety people had us do this, but they didn't know that we needed to see or do or access, you know, whatever point it was. And so we just found a workaround for it. Yeah. And so, um, I think those are, are good things to, you know, be on the lookout for and ask those deeper questions, um, you know, to find out what's, what's going on, um, when your eyes aren't there to, to watch it and what their day-to-day work is like. Yeah, exactly. What is your family thinking of your job so far? Do people know kind of what you're doing with safety? And like, are you kind of bringing some of that knowledge home? And people are like, Brandy, what the heck happened to you? Got a biology degree. <laughs> um, not really. I don't, I haven't experienced anything like that. I guess when, well, there is a few things. Like, for example, if I'm out and about and I'll be with people and I p- cross a construction site, you know, they're by the road and I see them without like safety glasses on. And I'm just like, how do you not have safety glasses on? Like you need that. And I've actually like gone to the fence and be like, Hey, you need your safety glasses. <laughs> Cause they're doing like concrete work and uh-huh. yeah, it's not like that it uh-huh. wasn't needed. They weren't just standing there, you know? Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. like, yeah, like I said, I was gone. I, I've been on vacation where there's people on the roofs, like at the beach, they're cleaning the tops of the roofs. And, you know, with the water and they're not, they don't have any harnesses on. And these are tall buildings. I'm just like, Mm -hmm. oh my gosh. So, and then I, you know, I tell the people I'm with and they're just like, how do you like know that? Like, (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) So welcome to the safety practice. Yeah, I definitely take it outside of work for sure. You know, I'm still, I still try to look out for people because maybe they just don't know. You know what I mean? Exactly. Exactly. You know, I think, I think you just said something critical there. Maybe they just don't know. And I think that's, that is, that is what our career is, is, is teaching people what they don't know. And as it turns out, 
Um, that's a big job. That's a big job. And so yeah. turning off the safety button, I, I, you know, I bet if we pulled a bunch of safety people, I bet we would say with nearly a hundred percent certainty that we don't turn it off. <laughs> you know, yeah. when we when we when we leave work, and uh, sometimes it annoys the people in our in our personal lives. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Cause they're they're just like, you know you see, you see like a fire extinguisher at a restaurant with like stuff in front of it, and you're like, oh no, like that shouldn't be blocked. You know. <laughs> I mean, right yeah. yes <laughs> so yes. yeah it, i'm sure it does annoy the people around yeah sometimes <laughs> i just sort of quietly fix things yeah yeah <laughs> you know, exactly when I, when I when i see a you know some electrical cord that's hanging out of this out of the socket that has the opportunity to build heat or something or you know two cords plugged together and they're not tight together i'll just you know go fix stuff yes sometimes. exactly that's exactly right and i won't tell anyone but i just, mm-hmm. just you know try mm-hmm. to mitigate the hazard mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so what uh what drives you crazy about this profession so far probably hard-headed employees um mostly older people older gentlemen usually who mm-hmm. who don't want to follow the rules when you're literally there to try to keep them safe you know like the old school mentality i've been doing this for x amount of years yeah I don't need to wear a harness or I've been doing this however long, like I'm fine. I don't need gloves or whatever. Um, yeah. So it's kind of hard to deal with um, j- just that old school mentality that they, they, they won't get hurt. It won't be them, yeah. you know? Right. I, I call those safety cliches. Yeah. You'll, you'll continue to grow tired of hearing, of hearing those uh, safety cliches. And I bet uh, people listening would say the same thing that, mm-hmm. that, you know, if we, if we had this little tape, you know, that we could just kind of rewind all the safety cliches that we hear, it's the same, it's the same thing over and over again. Like that safety stuff makes me more dangerous <laughs> or it slows me down or I've been doing it this way for this long and exactly. nobody ever got hurt doing this. It's like, oh yes. If you only knew how many hundreds of times I've heard this. Yeah. Have you, you had, you had mentioned the older workforce, especially um, some of your male counterparts. Have you found ways to be successful in getting through to them so far? I think like I've been, so I've been here two years and I think the longer I'm doing this, that they start to actually trust what I have to say. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I think just, um, you know, just being around them and, um, Mm-hmm. just having that uh, expertise and um, them listening to you and knowing that you do know what you're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. Have you, have you run into some sexism along the way with uh, along that same lines? Yeah, I would say that just because I think since I'm not only young, but I'm also a woman, I think people are less likely to take me seriously. And that's what I found. They're more likely to talk over you when you're saying something mm. and they kind of don't fully trust your knowledge, but like mm-hmm. I said, I've been here two years, and I I feel that now the more people see me and know they they understand that I do know what I'm talking about that that, that they do start to trust me and they do start to take me more seriously and mm-hmm. they do ask me questions because they know <clears throat> I'm the person they need to come to and because because mm-hmm. I do know the answer like this is what I do you know what I mean mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. yeah yeah I wish I wish that I had um, some sort of magic um, wand to solve that problem. And, and if I, if I had it, I'd share it with you and I'd share it with the rest of the audience. Um, I, I, I don't, um, I think sometimes it's experimental on our end to try to figure out how to, um, how to get through some of those stereotypes. I remember when, um, when I was a very, very new investigator with OSHA, I was in my early twenties, maybe like you are now. Um, I was inspecting a manufacturing facility and it was full of punch presses uh, and punch presses for anybody in, who knows safety knows that they're pretty complicated by way of machine guarding and trying to figure out and if, you know what kind they are and how they're powered and all that business and um I walked into the facility and I thought, oh man, this is going to be hard today. You know, like I'm just learning this stuff too. I happen to have a good mentor on that. (laughs) And, um, I got through the inspection and I was working with, um, with whoever their designated safety person was. And we got done with the day and he said to me, you know, I have to tell you something. When I, when I got the call from the office that an OSHA person was here and that I needed to come up and meet you, he said I was really excited because I really needed help with my job because there's a lot of things I was trying to accomplish here that I haven't been able to do because I didn't have, he didn't have like, 
he didn't have the ability to get through to his management team. Like they weren't taking him seriously. And so he was kind of hoping that OSHA would be that to wow. help him get, get things accomplished. <laughs> yeah. That happened kind of often in my job yeah. that people, safety people would be like, thank you so much for inspecting me. Now I'm going to get to do stuff. And, and so he, he said that. And then he said, but then I opened the door to the office and I saw it was you and that you're a woman. And I was so disappointed. Wow. And he said, because I didn't think I was going to learn anything. Yeah, that, that, and, I hate that. <laughs> right? It's and then, terrible. But then he followed up with, you totally surprised me. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> and I thought, well, I guess this is a compliment. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I will accept it, but what an unfortunate way for him to walk into, uh, walk into the situation assuming that I wouldn't know. Yeah. Because of my gender. You know, that that has stuck with me for 23 years. Mm-hmm. And um, and and so, I, you know, I think, Brandy, you're saying that as as people um, understand that you're the resource and that you they can co- go to you and that you have answers for them, that trust will increase. Yeah. Um, and is it a is it, a, you know, a byproduct of your gender? Maybe um, maybe, you know, maybe. Maybe no one's been as bold to you as they were to me back then about that. But um, like I said, if I if I had a magic wand to get through and pass that, um, gosh, I would sure I would sure offer it up. Yeah. Well, you can kind of just tell like they don't have to say that to you. They just they're like I said, they're more likely to talk over you and they just don't listen to what they just interrupt you and kind of don't listen to what you have to say, even though it's like. I'm like, yeah. I'm the safety person. Like I, I've researched this before we talked about it and I know this is what we need to do. Yeah. But they, yeah. Yeah, they just, you know. Yeah. And you know, I, you know, I think, I think, um, you'll get more brave and, and maybe, um, maybe if I had anything to offer and it's taken me years to get to this point myself by way of when people inter- interrupt you and want to speak over you, um, that, you know, I'll take a breath, you know, and think of, you know, just take a breath for a moment because you're kind of angry when people are interrupting you and cutting you off in mid-sentence. Yeah. Um, to then, you know, look at them and say, excuse me, I'm, I need to finish my thought. I have something to say and I need you to stop interrupting me. I did that. <laughs> I did. I did that recently. Wow. <laughs> I did. Th- I did that this year, as a matter of fact. Wow. Um, it was um, it wasn't. Um, it wasn't in my work life. It was um, advocating for something with my son uh, for school, okay. and his dad and I. His dad and I were talking to the a teacher, and uh, the teacher kept interrupting every time I would speak, but was not interrupting when my son's father was speaking. Wow! And so I had to. I had to do that, and I had to use that sentence. I need you to stop interrupting me, so I can complete what I'm going to say. Yeah, I'm. And, I can, and <laughs> yeah, I I'm I'm not brave enough to say that yet, but I you know as I go along, I'm sure I'll have to at some point. Brandy, it took me 20 years to do that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and so anyone listening, if you need that sentence, use that sentence. It did work really well, and he did stop interrupting me. <laughs> but, <laughs> but uh it it uh it it does it uh, it does happen I luckily f- not very often but yeah um, but i feel like does. as a woman when you do say things like that then you just get this bad reputation too something about mm-hmm. just you worry women. about getting a label exactly and you yeah. know people you know think badly of us just because we're more assertive you know if you are an assertive woman or you just speak your mind. People think you're, mm-hmm. you know, you know what I'm trying to say. <laughs> I do. I do. I do. And so you decide when to pick your battles, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. When to pick your battles. Is this particular issue a hill worth dying on is a question I ask myself often. Yeah. Um, and if it, and if it is a time where you, you know, you, you, you feel strongly about what you need to say and how you need to say it and what you need to do, then then your answer is yes, I'm going to move forward and I'm going to, you know, I'm going to persist. So nevertheless, she persisted, right? Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and we'll be thank and we'll be thankful to, and are thankful to all of our male counterparts who, uh, who, uh, are, are, are helpful and great mentors along the way, because there's plenty, 
plenty of those as well. Yeah. At least I, I've been blessed with many mentors as well. So speaking of mentors, um, you had mentioned that you have sought some help with uh, ASSE and some mm-hmm. of the people you're meeting through chapter meetings there. Yeah. And through and through LinkedIn. Mm-hmm. Um, any other any other suggestions for people who are starting out and looking for mentors? Any places you haven't mentioned? Um, well, I did mention some sister plants, but those oh, people yeah. know what you're doing, you know, especially if you're doing, if you're producing the same thing. So they know exactly what hazards you're looking at. So it would definitely be good to contact them and just see what they have, what they can share with you regarding, you know, it might be a risk assessment or it might just be a question you have about maybe a hazard you saw and you wasn't, and you weren't sure what the regulations were, but you couldn't find anything, you know? Yeah, that's a, that's a good tip. You said risk assessment, which, you know, makes me think about um, the ability to ask other safety professionals, you know, for things that they've already done that you wouldn't have to reinvent the wheel on. Yeah. You know, like even your lock, even your lockout tagout procedures, if someone has sort of a a nice template they've developed. Other safety professionals um, uh, are happy to share those things with one another. Yeah, definitely. Um, and yeah, some of the or an EHS guy at one of our sister plants, he sent me lots of forms, like if for inspections, and I've used them um, like for 5S and things like that. So, mm-hmm. um, <clears throat> and also uh, last year there was a plant nearby who had 18 years of no recordables. And our, our, uh, one of our VPs was reading about in the newspaper and was just like super intrigued because we, we just weren't doing well. Like our, we were under like a family or not a family, a a parent company. Mm -hmm. And I guess we were the worst out of the, the worst under that parent company. So he was just, he wanted to know what, what these people were doing, how they didn't have any accidents. How did they do it? We actually went there and did a tour. We were there for two days and. I talk to that safety guy all the time. Like I ask him questions often because they are so focused on safety there that it's crazy. Like I, it's, it's amazing. I'm, mm-hmm. It's, mm-hmm. It, I would love to be an employee there, you know, cause mm-hmm. they're just so focused mm-hmm. and they just, they'll do anything to keep their employees safe. They, they have to have uh, a certain number of near misses a month or uh, each employee has to turn in like a year, like three near misses or three, yeah, three near misses a month or, I mean, a year, mm-hmm. um, just to make sure that people are looking out for things. So I don't know. I just think it's really cool. Mm-hmm. And so you were able to do that two-day visit with your manager, with your plant manager? Yeah, I went with a VP, uh, right. our corporate safety guy, our corporate environmental guy, and then my facility manager. We all went over there and they kind of just gave us a they gave us a tour and they let us take anything we wanted. They were very nice and they just said, "Here, don't reinvent the wheel. Here's paperwork. Mm-hmm. If you need anything, just let us know." Mm-hmm. And we got a lot of good things from them that we're using today. And I think it's definitely helped um, mm-hmm. having that safety guy who ha- is in a company where they're so safety driven, and he's mm-hmm. just a lot of good ideas for me. Um, mm-hmm. Just even random things, like when we did a plant tour, um, there was like a cabinet, and there was a picture of the cabinet where everything inside was organized. Mm -hmm. And it kind of just is cool because if an employee sees that, they know that an unorganized cabinet is not what it needs to be, but that picture is what it needs to be, you know? Mm -hmm. So even things like that are just like so cool, and we've got a lot of good ideas from them. Mm-hmm. You know, I think some of us might call that um, corporate buy-in. The the fact that your that your VP that you had executives that wanted to to go and and learn mm-hmm. and see that that helps what you're trying to do. If they understand what um, what it is that you're trying to do, and they have like you know um, they they've seen what um, what good looks like and what a goal could be, and then they can be more supportive of what you're doing. Yeah, exactly, and it. It's exactly right. They just give us more support and um, kind of see the the goal, you know, mm-hmm. and what what we're driving to be is. I mean, we want to be like them, so let's do what they're doing, you know. Right, right. So, what what drives you to keep at this that this profession right now? I mean, it sounds like it's still interesting to you. Yeah, um, it is. What 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 drives you to keep at it? Well, it's so interesting to me because there's so much we need to know. There, there's so many regulations, you know, mm-hmm. so I'm obviously, like I said, I'm learning a lot, like studying for my ASP, but 
um, like I said, this is a brand new facility. A lot needs to be done. And I just love improving it and improve the working conditions. Even mm -hmm. if it's just making sure that they, that employees have like the right gloves they're using. Um, right. I just want to make sure that they're, um, you know, just comfortable with their job and they're not hating it. And it's, it's because it's unsafe, you know, um, mm -hmm. I just want them to, to feel as safe as possible and as comfortable as possible at their job. Mm -hmm. One, one incremental improvement at a time. That's exactly right. Yeah. 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 You, I mean, we can't, we can't do it all overnight. No, um, it's, that's definitely true. Yeah. And you just kind of have to chip away at it. Like there's a lot of things mm -hmm. to be done and you kind of just have to have priorities. Like, what do I want to get done this week? Let's make, I'm going to make a list and Mm -hmm. I'm going to give covers and gloves to these people. I have to get brand new safety glasses to these people, things like that, you know, but mm -hmm. yeah, you mm -hmm. just got to chip away at it, add, add labels to this and do mm -hmm. a risk assessment here, do a lack of tackle procedure here, things like that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So have you found uh, a particular um, pivotal story so far that you kind of lean into when your work is feeling like it's really hard or, or maybe one that's changed um, how you approach your job? Well, I, like, we had an accident last year, or no, it was beginning of this year. Um, it was actually a close friend of mine. She, mm. um, we have a, it was like, a, it's a blade that rotates, and um, blade wasn't guarded, yeah, that it needed to, as it needed to be. And mm. um, she was wearing a sweater, and an operator, she, she's an engineer, she was, um, wearing a sweater and the operator asked her to look at something and her sweater actually got caught in the blade and kind of mm. like cut up her wrist a lot but anyway she was mm -hmm. caught in the machine she was entangled in the machine and um, it kind of just hit me that this can happen to anyone you know yeah. anything can happen to anyone so it's important that I'm looking out for all 466 of my employees every day mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know because that's someone's best friend or that's someone's mm. mom and you know, you want to, you want to make sure that you're just looking out for their best interest. Mm -hmm. So that, that kind of accident kind of was just like hit me hard. Like I really need to make sure that I'm mitigating. First of all, I'm mitigating the hazards that can really hurt someone, you know? Right. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. It, when it, when it becomes personal, um, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I think we probably all have, have some of those, have some of those stories as well. Um, I have a family member right now who's just uh, retired out of his, uh, a forced retirement out of his professional practice due to a work injury. And, um, you know, and, and after, and that just happened. And, um, I, you know, though I've been doing safety for over 20 years, you know, it just, it, it took it again, it took it again to a different level that I didn't think I, that I had more levels to go by way of, uh, um, you know, my thoughts around safety and um, how it's personal yeah. to, to all of us, to yeah, all of us. Exactly. Yeah. So, um, Brandy, what are you, what are you currently working on that you're, that you're really proud of? Well, I kind of talked about it earlier, but writing the lockout tagout procedures yeah. for all the equipment, like, cause we didn't have anything. Well, I should start over. We had a girl who was working before me who was, she was kind of doing safety and document control, mm -hmm. but she was working on the lockout tagout procedures, but she didn't get very far. She left the company, but um, I had to kind of go over what she was doing because it wasn't up to standard, you know mm -hmm. what I mean? Like she mm -hmm. had done something, but it wasn't enough, you know? Mm -hmm. So um, I've been writing all those lockout tagout procedures with the help of my uh, facility manager and, like I said, like supervisors. The operators. The, yeah. yeah, and the operators. Mm -hmm. So um, that's a huge task that we've been working on for a year and a half now. <laughs> Yes, and it is. We're about mm -hmm. we're you know we're about sixty five percent of the way through because we just have so many machines and we want to make sure wow. it's right. And then you know you got to get approval, so it's it's not a it's not a quick process, that's for sure. Congratulations, that's that is huge. Some some places have thousands and thousands of those. Um, mm -hmm. I, I have to I have to say I get contacted um, pretty often by people who are asking for help in that, in that arena. And usually it's, it's like, do you have a format that yeah. I can follow? Because, you know, just trying to tackle, like, how am I going to do this and repeat it, you know, hundreds, if not thousands of times and, yeah. not, miss, and not miss anything. Um, it's a big deal. 
Yeah, well, exactly. Good, good for you. Thank you. <laughs> Con- congratulations. That's pretty cool. That's a that's a giant accomplishment. Yeah, it is. I'm I'm yeah. really proud of it because a lot of our machines, I mean, they're pretty in depth, you know. So it's it's a lot for each procedure. Um, you know, we have multiple sources. So yeah, I'm I'm pretty excited about. It. I'm pretty excited that we're halfway done. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm, yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> so I, I I wanted to ask you kind of what a normal day is like. For you with you know sort of a snicker with that because I don't know that any safety people really have like a normal predictable day yeah but, uh, what do you what do you intend a normal today to be like or a normal week like how do you how do you decide how you're going to approach it um well it kind of depends on what's going on at that time <laughs> but you know mm-hmm. yeah like like you said every day is always different there's always something going on something happens where someone needs my help or whatever the case may be. But um, like today, I've been putting in chemical requests. Um, You know, like I said, new facility, we're getting a lot of new chemicals in and I have to approve those chemicals. They have to send Mm -hmm. me like multiple sheets and or the safety data sheet and an approval form. And then I have to put in like our in our system. So I've been doing things like that. Um, Figuring out how to dispose of different waste. Um, We have like a research laboratory and there's, you know, there's wastes that people just have put under uh, fume hoods that haven't been disposed of in mm. probably mm-hmm. years, you know, and no one knows what yeah. they are and trying to figure out how to dispose of things like that. Um, yeah, so that's, that's a like a project. Yeah, that's like a that's like a daily task. Um, and not just stuff like that, but people will be like, I don't know what to do with this waste. Like, where do I put it? Or mm-hmm. I have this and I don't know where it goes, things like that. Mm-hmm. Have you been able to kind of lean into some of your biology background to, to be helpful with, with some of that? Like, does it help inform like where you might go to, to learn the answer? Honestly, not really. <laughs> I feel like I don't use my biology degree at all because my biology degree, I was mostly doing stuff with like fish, like just okay. learning about fish and things like that. Um, uh-huh. So, and, but I did do environmental stuff, but and that's why I was trying to get an environmental job. But mm-hmm. like I said, that didn't happen. So <laughs> I, I don't really use it at all. So <laughs> that's, that's the case. Not, let's not tell your parents that you feel your college degree is wasted. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but you know, some like for example, our facility, you need a bachelor's degree to get yes. Um, this position and a lot of places are like that they don't care what you have Uh, as long as you have as long as you have experience and you know they want people that can like work independently and do their own thing without Mm -hmm. being told what to do I I mean that's a big part of my day because my facility Mm -hmm. manager is so busy you know he he has so many things to do he doesn't have time to babysit me you know right Mm -hmm. so I just have to figure out what's due that week what inspections I need to do what's due this month who needs to be taught whatever this week you know things like that Mm -hmm. so that's a big part (laughs) it is so brandy where do you think you got that piece of yourself that um you know you said to be able to work by yourself to be self-directed to kind of figure out your own way without being told to do what to do where do you think that came from in you did you have jobs when you were growing up that maybe taught you some of those skills i don't think so I'm just trying to think. I don't, I feel like I, like everything I've done has always been with a team. Like mm-hmm. I played, I played softball. That's how I got down South. I, I lived up North and I, I got uh, recruited to play softball at a college down South and everything's always been team, you know, team based. Mm-hmm. So I can't really think of anything that mm-hmm. where I really worked independently, but um, you know, just on a day to day basis, you kind of just need to know what needs to be done and you know, depending on whatever's going on at that time. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that I think that's um, sometimes a stereotype that um, your generation or millennials get um, boxed into that um, so much of so much of your growing up was um, working essentially in teams, you know, like you yeah. didn't sit at you didn't sit at individual desks when you were in school. You sat at tables where you worked together. Yeah, exactly. And so um, your generation is really collaborative, which is 
a huge strength for your generation. My generation, on the other hand, is more like, just tell me what to do and I'll go do it. Leave me alone. (laughs) (laughs) And I've had to learn. And thankfully from my, my millennial cohorts, um, the power of collaboration and working together. And it's been really fun. Um, but you know, one of the, one of the uh, stereotypes that goes with your generation is you don't know how to work independently. And uh, I think that you're proving, I think you're proving that wrong, that it is a stereotype, Brandy. Yeah, I think so. (laughs) Cause you're doing it. (laughs) Yes, I'm doing it and I feel like I'm doing it well. (laughs) Good. (laughs) Good for you. Good for you. So, um, do you want to share a story on like best day, worst day in safety? Um, well, a best day would be one f- with no injuries. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, you obviously don't want to see anyone get hurt. And then yeah. all the paperwork that goes along with that, especially if it is something like a recordable where they need to go to, you know, the hospital or whatever. So just a day when there's no injuries, that's the best day I could ever have. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And then the worst, like, like I said, one of my friends got hurt and whenever that something like that happens it just kind of puts in perspective that it it can happen to anyone and so you you just want to make your workplace as safe as possible because you don't want anyone to be hurt yeah right so um brandy kind of winding up our time together today uh, what do you based on what you know right now um a a few years into into you, you know you're basically less than five years into this career right yeah um, what do you think is the highest priority for our profession as safety professionals today? I'd say the highest priority would be to find the hazards at your workplace that can cause the worst harm, so like amputation or death, mm-hmm. and and do everything you can to help minimize that risk, whether that be um, you know trying to get the budget to get guarding on there or you know trying to tell the upper management, hey, we really need to do something about this. Like this could really devastate you know our company whether that be get someone getting hurt or just morale you know mm-hmm. so I think just trying to find the hazards that could really hurt someone mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah looking looking for those um really big red flags yeah and do you have any specific advice that you'd like to share with people who are just starting out that might be listening today I would say that don't be afraid to Speak your mind, especially if you know what you're talking about. Um, do your research before you mm-hmm. have to go to any meeting uh, about anything safety. And and I, like I said, I'm, I didn't go to school for uh, being a safety person. So I'm pretty much teaching myself. And I'm trying to get this, um, this certification, Associate Safety Professional. So I'm just trying to learn um, everything. There, or I'm trying to learn everything there is to know. So just don't be afraid to just get into it and... Try to be the best you can be, um, and I think that's that's all. <laughs> I think that's beautiful. Do your homework, speak yes. your mind, and yeah. don't be afraid. Yeah, don't be exactly. afraid. <laughs> that's that's wonderful, Brandy. Thank you so much um, for spending time with us today. We really yeah, appreciate no, it. No, thank you. This is such a big honor. I see you on the supervisor safety talks, you know, on <laughs> on Vivid, and it just. I've always, I want to meet you and I've always looked up to you and you've taught me so much, even those supervisor safety talks. So no, thank you. I appreciate it. <laughs> thank you, Brandy. Oh, that's humbling. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you all so much for joining in today and listening. And thank you for the work you all do to make sure your workers go home safe and healthy every day. You can listen to all of our episodes at vividlearningsystems.com or subscribe in the podcast player of your choosing. If you have a suggestion for a guest, which might even be yourself, please contact me at social at vividlearningsystems.com. Until next time, thanks for listening.